Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender. And today we're doing the case of, and I apologize if we say this wrong, we looked it up, but it could also be leading us wrong. But I believe... Google would never. <laughs> I believe the, the way you pronounce this name is Samina Imam. Mm-hmm. I don't know this case at all. That name does not sound familiar at all. So I'm very interested to hear how this goes. I'm either going to be shocked or who knows. (laughs) But I guess with that being said, we will kick you off to our case. For today's cocktail, it's going to be another easy bartending lesson for me. <laughs> but, um, oh, <laughs> I'm having a lot of difficulties today. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Such as just life. gain some theme music, it's okay. Such is life. But for today's cocktail, I I'm dipping back into the On the Rocks little Christmas gift set that I picked up for myself because it had three out of the four that I had not tried. And today's one that we are looking into is the Espresso Martini one. I was super excited for this one because I love me some coffee and espresso martinis. Everybody's like, ah, they're the new fad, but I was drinking them before they were, you know, what everybody was going for. But this one is made with effing vodka. It is a 20% ABV, so it's not very high, but it's also It's an espresso martini. I mean, even if you make it by hand, unless you choose to make it super boozy, it's not going to be boozy. (laughs) But I really liked it. Um, It definitely has a very rich coffee flavor. And I mean, if you don't want that heavy of a coffee flavor, you can easily add some like creamer to it or you know something like a Bailey's or Carolyn's or something like that that's gonna tone down that coffee taste and then that should also boost up your alcohol content but it was really good um I've never had effing vodka but apparently it's a very top end vodka So, I guess if you see this in store, I'm not sure um, how easily available this particular one is by itself. 
but in Alabama, I know I've only ever seen it in the gift set. So if you see a gift set around, definitely pick it up. Give these a shot. And if you see this one individually, give it a shot and let us know what you think. And if I think we already did an espresso martini at like the start of our podcast. We did. We did it with um, Woodford Reserve oh, and that's right. That's right. Um, Screwball. So yes. we did a peanut butter and a caramel take on it. <laughs> so if you want us to do another round of like a simple espresso martini, let us know. And, you know, I'll just, you know, twist my arm and do another one for you. I'll do one every week. <laughs> if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> but with that being said, we'll kick you off to our episode. All right. So today we're doing things a bit differently and we're going to take a trip across the pond to Good. Coventry, England. I will not embarrass myself for y'all with a horrible Southern British accent. <laughs> not doing it this time around. <clears throat> but... We're going to Christmas Eve of 2014. Samina Amim, Amam, my bad, I already messed it up. Samina Amam couldn't help but feel, feel a little excited. The 34-year-old was busy preparing for the festive days that were to follow, and as she popped out of the office to grab a bottle of Bellini and a tub of sweet treats, her plan was finally coming together. Since the start of their relationship, Roger Cooper, Samina's colleague and lover, had been leading a double life. With a long-term partner at home, Roger left Samina playing second fiddle. That Christmas, everything was set to change. The pair would spend Christmas Day at Birmingham's Man Malmason. I definitely butchered that. <laughs> but a fancy Birmingham hotel. And by the start of 2015, they would finally be officially together. All Samina wanted for Christmas was the man she loved, and this year she was finally going to get him. At least, that's what she was promised. However, while Samina had been getting everything ready to start a new life, Roger and his brother David had been preparing to take hers. By 6.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, Samina Imam would be dead. The hotel room she had booked sitting empty as the Cooper brothers set about covering up her callous murder. The tragic story begins at a Costco store on the outskirts of Coventry. It was here that 41-year-old Roger worked as a manager, as did Samina. She was the regional marketing manager for a handful of nearby locations. So she was kind of like his boss, which, of course, relationships in the workplace are usually, well, yes, usually unethical, and most of the time they are not allowed by yeah. HR. I was like, a lot of places definitely frown on it. And I get it because you don't want to shit where you work, okay? <laughs> and Correct. nine times out of ten, those relationships end badly. It does not always work out well. I met my husband at work. And if we stayed at the same job, I would have been okay working with him. But now I could not imagine working with him. <laughs> I would strangle him at work in front of everybody or in his sleep and be like, I don't know what happened. You um, can't prove it. Thankfully, we work at different places now, so that's not an issue. 
But like I was saying, relationships between senior members of staff were very much against the rules. But this, of course, did not stop Roger and Samina from having their workplace love affair. They spent two years entangled in a workplace love affair, but Samina had begun to get restless. She gave Roger an ultimatum in the run-up to the holiday season. Leave your girlfriend or we're over. And Roger was like, all right, bet. I can make this happen. So, during the 10-week trial, which ended on October 20th, 2015, prosecution counsel Timothy Spencer told the court that Roger had brazenly lied to Samina. Roger never had any intention of leaving his partner. He feared that Samina would spill the beans of their affair, which in his mind would jeopardize both his career and his other relationships. Rather than face up to the consequences of his actions, Roger enlisted the help of his ex-soldier brother, David. And together, they set about planning to kill Samina in cold blood. While Roger had a motive for the murder, however twisted, it remains a mystery why his brother was willing to kill a woman he barely even knew. Other than being loyal to his brother. That's right. the only thing that I can imagine. Yeah. Their first attempt on her life was planned for the early hours of the... 12th of December in 2014, Samina was a regular guest at Soli Hill's Premier Inn, and that night, following a Christmas party, she had planned to sleep there. Roger had told Samina to meet him at the hotel, where he claimed he had a where he. Roger had told Samina to meet him at the hotel, where he claimed he had booked a room and had a surprise waiting for her. The surprise, as it transpired, was that no room had been booked and Roger wasn't even going to be there. <laughs> Instead, David sat in a higher car in the car park, ready and waiting to abduct Samina. The brothers communicated using Star Wars codes such as, Death Star complete! Stay on target! Stay on target! You are expected, Vader! Why?! Why are you going to ruin Star Wars like that? This is why I had to do this one. <laughs> Man. It was Christmas and it was Star Wars. <laughs> Should have left my this is the way drink for this one. <laughs> if I would have known I was doing this, I would have told you to. But this was not planned until literally less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> because my life is fucking hectic right now both of our lives are. I'm dealing with car problems at the moment. Sloan's just dealing with life problems. <laughs> well, today I'm currently on my period. Nobody I mean, asked for this information, but I'm cramping and we're stuck in a closet <laughs> recording, <laughs> recording this. And I would be lying if I didn't say that I was a little resentful right now. But I also have to keep to a routine for my stupid mental health. <laughs> It's a hard balance to keep. Uh. <laughs> I'm mostly just resentful that I have to have a period every month. <laughs> like, yeah, that's really that's really what my resent comes down to is that I still have my ovaries and I would just be okay if they were taken out at this point. But y'all didn't ask for any of that. Life has been tough lately. It is what it is. If I would have known sooner that I was doing this case, I would have made you save the beer. But we're here now and we're going to keep moving. Oh, and by the way, this is our Christmas episode. So Merry Christmas to those that celebrate. 
Hanukkah is over, so happy Hanukkah if you celebrated that. I know Kwanzaa is... I would have thought is, about it. I would have said happy Hanukkah last episode. <laughs> I know Kwanzaa is the day after Christmas this year. It's like December yeah. 26th, I think. Yes. I don't know if that's every year. I just know that I saw it on the I calendar. I feel like it usually is. And I want to sound like I'm well-educated, but I'm gonna, I'm always honest. I'm not well-educated. Y'all know that. Hanukkah I just, changes every year just because they follow the Jewish calendar, which is, I guess, a little more accurate. <laughs> so anyways, regardless of what you celebrate, happy holidays. Also, I did see a, like, Instagram post that said we should be wishing gentle holidays amongst each other because not every year is going to be a happy holiday, but we can wish a gentle holiday season amongst each other. And then that just kind of goes for everything, whether you're having a happy holiday or a, you know, it's your first holiday without someone you love. Like, I hope that you are having a gentle holiday season. It's so beautifully poetic whenever you put it like that, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> back to Star Wars and whatnot. So their plan obviously failed, although what went wrong is still unclear to detectives. Samina made her way safely into the hotel from her taxi. David sent a text to his brother in broken French, which translated to, There's no point, no score. The window of opportunity is closed. All right. Be a little poet, I guess. And so just 12 days later, the brothers took aim once again. At 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve, Samina left work just after Roger, each driving off in their separate cars. The couple met up again nearby, where she unpacked her luggage from her BMW and willingly jumped into Roger's Audi. Leaving her car parked up on a quiet side street, Roger and Samina drove off together towards Leicester. Detectives believe Samina thought this was to be a quick pre-Christmas visit to David, a detour to their trip to Birmingham. It was on this journey that Samina spoke with her sister for the final time. She asked how her mother was getting on and confirmed she'd be at her par at their parents' home in Boxing Day. Oh my goodness. Let's try that again. It was on this journey that Samina spoke with her sister for the final time. She asked how her mother was getting on and confirmed she'd be at her parents' home on Boxing Day for family Christmas celebrations. The couple arrived at David Cooper's home at 5 p.m. It was early in the evening, but already dark outside, this deep into winter. It's believed Samina was attacked by David almost immediately upon entering his property. It couldn't have been difficult for the brothers to overpower her because they stood at 6 foot 5 and 6 foot 7. Meanwhile, she was all of like 5 foot 2, the small Indian girl, Indian woman, so, she was smothered with chloroform, which was purchased on eBay a few weeks beforehand, a bizarre combination of metallic elements including an antimony, cadmium, tin, mercury, and arsenic were also thought to have been administered to Samina in liquid form. By 6.25 p.m., Roger had already begun his journey back to Coventry, leaving David to dispose of Samina's body. In an effort to create the impression Samina was still alive, Roger, once he'd returned to his home to join his girlfriend, sent a text to himself from Samina's phone. It was a false alibi saying, I am fuming. I am going to where I am truly cared for. Meanwhile, David got on with disposing of Samina's body. Pathologists found she had been transferred to a grave within hours of her death. 
On a quiet allotment on Groby Road in Leicester, the body wrapped in cling film and a sleeping bag was buried deep underground. Whether or not David noticed the chilling sign hanging from his allotment shed, it said, Don't wind me up. I'm running out of places to hide the bodies. Eerie. Over the following few days, the brothers continued the cover-up operation. Samina's car was moved from Coventry to Leicester, and then, after being wiped for fingerprints and DNA, abandoned in Lutton. When Samina never appeared at her family's Boxing Day dinner, the police were informed and launched their search, later codenamed Operation Ceramic. Why? I don't get that one. <laughs> on the 4th of January, 2015, Samina's car was located on a quiet residential Lutton Street, some 65 miles from Coventry. Her handbag was missing. Her suitcases and shopping bags were too. There were no fingerprints, which the police found suspicious, and the driver's seat was pushed far too back for someone of Samina's height. I can tell you that there is a big difference between me driving and my husband driving my car. I'm five foot three and he's like six foot. So. I mean, there's a difference between me and Logan, and we're not even that like different in height. <laughs> yeah, but. Logan sits really close to the wheel. <laughs> yes, she does. She drives like she's a lot shorter than she is. <laughs> um. Anyway, so... Uh, da, da, da. The missing persons inquiry became a no-body murder inquiry at this point. From then, it didn't take long for detectives to put the pieces of this grotesque murder together. Data from Samina's phone revealed to police she had traveled with Roger to Leicester... The bottle of the Bellini Samina had purchased for Christmas was found in David's fridge. Dumbass. The snacks were in his cupboard. Dumbass. And her sat-nav in his loft. After a tip-off from a member of the public, archaeologists arrived at the allotment and began their excavations. On their fourth day, investigators found the outside edge of a sleeping bag. They lifted the flap and knew straight away Samina Amim's body had been found. The brothers were promptly arrested on suspicion of murder on the 7th of January, 2014, and were charged two days later. On the 21st of October, 2015, Roger and David were both found guilty of murder unanimously. Why is that word so hard? Found guilty of murder unanimously by a jury at the Birmingham Crown Court. It took almost a year to get their trial. I think I did a typo there because, yeah, that was definitely a typo. Because was like, she was... She was found in January. Of 2015. Took, but yes, it did take them the whole year. I'm just like, she was found in January and it took till October for them to get sentenced. By Christmas, they were both behind bars serving 30 year sentences apiece. Jesus. So, yes. I don't know if it's because their system takes longer over there. I was going to say, it's also Britain. I don't know how their court systems work, but I feel like, I mean, I feel like that shouldn't be such a shocker because even here, it takes a long time usually. And that's with us having a speedy right to trial. Right. <laughs> but I'm just like, it. It was almost a year before they were even sentenced. Mm -hmm. And then also, I don't know if there's like, if this is another difference between UK and here, but it was really hard trying to find a lot of information on this case. Well, yeah, because like her in family the U or in the UK courts, really, you don't, you have the lawyers really go in. Mm -hmm. 
and there's not much else. Like, you might get called in to do a testimony in that, but, like, you don't stay in there. Yeah. So, there was... There were a lot of articles about this, but they all said the same information. But it was just Christmas Day themed, and then the Star Wars. And if you've been around for a while, like, you know my husband is a Star (laughs) Wars fanatic. I am not. I'm a semi-fanatic. Like, I've watched the first, like, six films... And then I've watched sporadically the new stuff. I've definitely been... I've seen more of the new stuff than I have of the old stuff. Because I fall asleep every time I try to watch the older ones. It is what it is. They're the classics. Yeah, but my parents were not Star Wars people. So that's not what I grew up with. So to me, they're not classics. They're old movies. (laughs) My parents were not the ones that got me to watch it. It was one of my friend's uh, families. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. Never had that friend's family. It is what it is at this point. Yeah. But that is my case for today. I hope you enjoyed it and we will kick you off to the last call. Welcome back to another last call. I'm Trish, your bartender and for today's last call since our case tastes takes place in England, I figured I would look at some little fun facts about England's Christmas versus, like, our Christmas. I really thought we were going to do Star Wars facts after that episode. (laughs) I mean, I had looked up, you you said we were going across the pond to England, and I was like, oh, England, let's look up that. And then I was like, oh, it's a Christmas one, let's look up that. And then it got into Star Wars, and I didn't, I didn't feel like trying to find another last call. <laughs> that is the only key I am ever giving you. I'm sure Star Wars will be brought up another time. <laughs> On your case, not mine. <laughs> Uh, also, I I chopped off both of our hairs like two weeks ago, <laughs> and I gave myself some small ass bangs. And let me tell y'all, they be sticking straight up sometimes, and I can just feel them right now sticking straight up. <laughs> they're not sticking straight up; they're they're blending in with the hair. Feel <laughs> like a peacock. <laughs> Alright, anyways, anyways, Christmas in the UK. Let's go. Oh, boy. So, the first little, I guess, little fun fact is Yorkshire puddings are perfect with gravy, but people outside the UK may have never heard of them. Which... Me, I'm some people. I was like... Depending, I was like, I feel like I know what Yorkshire Yorkshire pudding is, but I also feel like I don't. But it's a, so basically what it says is a traditional British roast dinner. What, sorry, wouldn't be complete without Yorkshire puddings filled with bistro or homemade gravy. I do like a good gravy. Right. Yorkshire puddings, not to be confused with sweet puddings, are made of eggs, flour, and milk or water. After they're cooked in hot oil in the oven, they end up with a a distinct hole in the middle. They closely resemble the 
what Americans know as popovers. So, like, they're this little dough thing. A crumpet. Kinda. So, like, every Sunday, people in the UK, like, England area, I follow, like, a lot of the <laughs> British music scene in that. They're always like, you have my Sunday went to like, like their parents and basically had their Sunday roast and that and it's like closest thing I think I can resemble it to here in the UK is like your Thanksgiving dinners and that, like it's always like potatoes and gravy and like stuff like that, turkey, ham, something. I think that our friend group needs to get into the habit of a Sunday roast. <laughs> Throw a bitch in the crock pot. Some, yes. We all stop by somebody's house, fill up the leftover containers, and just go. Yes. I'm going to send out the text message now. <laughs> We're starting a gravy train, bitches. There we go. The next little fact is Santa Claus is referred to as Father Christmas. So while some refer to him as Old Saint Nick... The UK, it's widely accepted that Father Christmas is the more traditional British name. Santa Claus is seen as an Americanism. And even the National Trust said this, that Santa Claus should be known as Father Christmas in stately homes and historic buildings because the name is more British. I mean, I don't blame you. I don't like being associated as an American at this point. So, uh, Father Christmas it is. <laughs> the next little fact. British children hang Christmas stockings at the end of their beds. In America, Christmas stockings are hung by the fireplace with care. Or just not at all. Depends on if you have stockings. My stocking technically is at my parents' house. Every year I say I'm going to get me and Logan some little. They don't need to be big stockings. But some like little stockings. Just for us to like throw some candies or something in. And it never gets done. <laughs> that was one of the first things I did. Was buy us stockings. And like I have stockings for both of my dogs. I have. Um, I, this sounds really weird when, when I'm about to say, but it is what it is. I have like an altar for my dog that passed away. And by that, I mean, like I have his ashes. I have collages that all of my friends at the time made for me whenever I had put him down. But I also have his like Christmas stocking and that will never be any other dog's Christmas stocking. Like yeah, that is his stocking. So I've always been a big person on having stockings. And like this year, we literally, the boys have a bone in each of theirs. Nate has two or three things of Reese's and I have a pixie stick and a fruity pebbles bar. And like, <laughs> that's all that I can afford to put in there. But damn it, I put some shit in the stockings. Yeah, I was I was looking at getting some stuff to just throw in like some stockings and like kind of surprise Logan with the fact that we had stockings this year. But like, like I said, I haven't even been able really look for stockings. This inflation shit's biting us in the ass. Yeah. Well, 
Like I said, I'm having car problems. I thought it was my alternator. It still could be my alternator. But I had to go get a new battery. And that cost $200. Yep. And then, you know, we'll see what else is wrong with my car. <laughs> I call her the problem child for a reason. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, getting back to this last call. So, like I said, British children hang their stockings at the end of their beds and like we said in America they tend to hang them on a fireplace or like a mantle or somewhere but like I said in the UK they hang them at the end of their beds and Father Christmas fills them while they're sleeping so you wake up and suddenly your stocking that's at the end of your bed is full and I understand why in America that's probably not done because I would just open my stocking whenever I saw it was full and then go back to bed. <laughs> and then be like, alright, now I want to do my presents. Uh, Christmas Eve in the UK is a time for school friend reunions. I feel like that's kind of an acceptable time even here in America for you not to do stuff with your family. For you to do stuff with like your friends or coworkers or stuff like that. Because Christmas Day is definitely, like, the day that everybody's like, no, I, I'm spending it with my family. Whether it's your actual family or the family you choose. But, I guess, in the UK, it's not unheard of to go to, like, a local bar or pub and hang out with your friends. <sighs> I know what I'm doing this Christmas. <laughs> Paying homage to my European roots. There you go. I'll be at work. <laughs> <laughs> I work three to close on Christmas Eve. Um, another little thing is Christmas pudding is a traditional British dessert popular during the holiday season. A Christmas pudding is a dense fruit cake often made weeks or even months in advance. The time allows the dried fruit to soak up alcohol that's regularly pour, poured onto the cake in the weeks before it's consumed. On Christmas, the cake is set alight and then topped with a sauce of brandy butter or rum butter, cream, lemon cream, ice cream, custard, or sweetened bacamel? I don't know. Is also sometimes sprinkled with castor or powdered sugar. Another dessert of choice is Christmas cake, which is a rich fruit cake covered with marzipan or like marzipan. Sorry, marzipan and icing. Fruit cakes are not like big either place but at least the British seem to uh, I guess make theirs more appealing <laughs> and you know gotta be aware of that fruitcake fraud <laughs> yep <laughs> going back to alright what third episode I think uh, it was way back and way like, way back way way back that was the beginning uh, with the good old pound cake. 
Sandy oh, the Frog. <laughs> uh, mince pies are pastries filled with dried fruits and spices that are often eaten at Christmas. So, you know, in those good old Christmas carols where they'll bring up like mince pies or stuff like that. That's what they're talking about. Uh, British Christmas desserts are often enjoyed with brandy butter. So, the perfect accompaniment? Accom- I, I don't know. This, it's using a word I, that, that I don't understand. <laughs> but, like, something to basically accompany okay, it. That's what it is. I was like, I'll get there. I'll get there. Oh, but, like, basically something to, like, basically accompany your, like, Christmas pudding or mince pies or anything like that is brandy butter, which consists of butter and sugar beaten together before brandy is added. Rum butter is the alternative, so you just do the same thing, but add rum. Sounds pretty good. I would, I wouldn't mind trying it. Uh, it says the result is still butter-like in consistency and is served cold alongside desserts. Americans apparently know it as hard sauce. I've never, never tried it as far as I know. <laughs> um, another little, I guess, fun fact for, like, British Christmas versus American Christmas. Obviously, we say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And, like, England and that, you hear Happy Christmas, which if you've ever watched uh, Harry Potter, I forget what, what movie it is that they do the whole Christmas thing and they go around saying Happy Christmas. But, yes. That is the common saying instead of Merry Christmas. Um, Christmas crackers are basic, are like a common thing that you'll see Brits talking about during Christmas and New Year's and that. And those are a cardboard tube wrapped in brightly colored paper and twisted at each end. And two people sit there and kind of pull it apart and there's the like it's usually like confetti or something like that inside. Sometimes they have little treats in them. It just depends. At Chris- On Christmas Day, millions of British people gather around their radios or TV. And they end up watching what used to be the Queen's speech. But this year it will be the King's speech. And it's a Christmas tradition to sit there and just listen to them basically wish you like well wishes and just kind of talk about like stuff that like has been accomplished for the year and that it'll be interesting I feel like this year because with the queen's passing being so recent just to see what like I guess Charles has to say or what's written for him to say (laughs) I feel like the queen, you just always want to be like, what What more could she have observed over the years? <laughs> With King Charles, it's going to be like, eh, 
You've been king for like five seconds. Sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas commercials are as talked about as Super Bowl commercials in the United States. Which, obviously in Britain, you don't have that. So, like, I don't know why they include that on the list, but... Also, one thing that I don't think is talked about this, advert calendars have started to kind of make, like, a big run for in the past few years, like, like all over. But in England, it's always been super popular. You always had an advent calendar, whether it's one that just gave you, like, a little piece of chocolate each day or if it was, like, a special themed one. I don't feel like advent calendar. I don't feel like advent calendars are making a huge comeback by any means. I feel like they've always been popular. I just think that because we have social media and we're seeing like everybody's houses and whatnot, it's becoming more popular. But I remember growing up and being able to buy advent calendars. It's just now you can buy advent calendars with wine. Yeah, but like it was never like in England. It's like literally like you always had one. Yeah, we... I never did. And opposite experience for me. I always had an advent calendar. Like, we had a family one, and then we each had individual ones. But my mom's also, like, a big, big Christmas person. And I think the last one I'm going to close with is... Brits also anticipate which song will become the annual Christmas number one single... The British Christmas number one single has been a tradition for over half a century. Starting in 1952, the top song on the British British singles chart has been a coveted spot each and every Christmas. Christmas number one alumni include the Beatles, Queen, Ed Sheeran, and more. While some Christmas number ones have indeed been Christmas songs. Do they know it's Christmas by Band Aid 2 in 1989 is one example that they give. The Spice Girls have been awarded with the most consecutive number one Christmas singles. And that is probably like what? Spice Up Your Life and stuff like that. Which, I'm not complaining, I love me some Spice Girls. <laughs> um, the, the second most, like, awarded band is the Beatles, which, again, is not a shock. But, there's a few more. I'm not gonna drag this on, but... Just know that what we think of as... Christmas here in the U.S. is not necessarily the same all over. Duh. Broaden your horizons. Look into like some other traditions. Like we said, we just had um, Hanukkah. Hanukkah going on, and I grew—I didn't grow up, but like I went to school with a bunch of my friends now, and they were mainly Jewish, so I got to learn a lot more about Jewish traditions and, like, their holidays and then Hanukkah is just, it's it's fun to see how it's progressed over the years. Especially because now, like, you'll see, like, during Hanukkah, 
like a lot of families have taken on the fact that like they'll still do Hanukkah but then they also kind of do Christmas so during Hanukkah they get like little small gifts which would basically equivalent to like our stockings mm-hmm. and then on Christmas they do the big stuff where it used to be that like you your your gifts kind of got progressively better during the days of Hanukkah so yeah just I would say it's fun to look into other customs in that and it's broaden good your to, horizons. Yes, it's good to broaden your horizons because the world that you exist and you see through your eyes is not the only world that lives around you. And we, as a melting pot society, like that's what we are proud of. We certainly have grown some blinders that keep us from noticing and appreciating other people's cultures. So that's a whole other topic for a whole other other day. If you want to hear more, you can let us know at our email, tequilasherote at gmail.com. You could also email us with any case suggestions, cocktail recipes, wines, beers, liquors that you want us to try. You can also find us on social media. I am doing a lot better with those these days. I found an app that really helps me out, Planoly. They do not sponsor us. You do have to pay for it per month. But it's really helping me and my mental health with the social media posting. So, all of that to say, you can find us on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They are all Tequila She Wrote. We also have our Patreon. I am somewhat doing better about posting on that. I get behind <laughs> a couple episodes and then I usually catch up. But, <laughs> easiest way to find us over there. Is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote or by going to our socials and finding our link tree and then you'll get a direct link to there for as little as two dollars a month you can get every episodes and you get bonus episodes and then if you pay a little more than two dollars then you can get even more content you just gotta look for you know what you want out of it but I guess with that being said, we will catch you next next time. Have a happy holidays. And thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>